You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Nate. chapter 16, Paul will conclude with one last subject followed by travel plans and greetings before he closes the letter. And the last subject he wants to get to is concerning a financial commitment that the Corinthian church had previously made. Apparently there was a gift that Paul wanted the church in Jerusalem to receive that the church in Corinth was to be a part of. It says in verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go, they will accompany me. Now here, this was a collection not just for their local congregation, for the payment of pastors or for the operational expenses of ministry, but for the saints in Jerusalem. But in talking about this, uh, Paul helped us understand uh, some principles for giving and generosity in the local church. Now, Paul had spoken of financial gifts for the church in Jerusalem quite often. He talked about it in the book of Romans, chapter 15. He talked about it here to the Corinthians, and then also again in 2 Corinthians, chapter 8 and 9. And uh, in Galatians, chapter 2, verse 10, the apostles in Jerusalem and Paul agreed that they should remember the poor together. Uh, and specifically what it seems that they meant was the remembrance of the poor in the church, although the church is not prohibited from remembering the poor outside of the church as well. The Jerusalem church, it seems, was a needy fellowship. You might remember there that they had cared for a large amount of widows early on in their uh, ministry at their beginning as a church. They'd gone through a famine, and they'd experienced much persecution. And beyond, and beyond all that, they had attempted for a while strict communal living. So a result of all of that was that they were in financial duress. So Paul really wanted to bless this particular church. Now, now he has a few guidelines for their financial giving. Here they are. First of all, he says, you're giving, this is like a universal practice. Number one, he says, I've told all the churches to do this. So every church is to be generous and giving as much as they are able to. Uh, There's also a weekly component to it. He said, every week when you get together, this is is regular. This is a systematic kind of thing. He also mentioned that it's personal. It's not just a corporate thing that a church does, but it's a personal thing. Each one of each individual, each of you, he says. And then in verse two, he says, you must predetermine. You must put something aside and store it up. It's got to be planned, systematic, not haphazard. And then it must be in proportion with your income. He says, as he may prosper in verse 2. And then he says, I don't want there to be any collecting when I come. That tells us that he believed it should be without any manipulation or pressure. 
He knew that his presence could create an unfavorable and awkward pressure. He didn't want that. And then he says that he's willing to have systems, accountability in place, uh, because he says, you know, I'll take the gift to the church in Jerusalem, but I'll take it with some brothers whom you accredit. So he had a little travel team in order to avoid being accused of, you know, pilfering. So those are some fascinating principles for us to discover today. You know, every church, every week, uh, a personal decision predetermined by the individual believers in the church in accordance with their pay, you know, proportional, uh, without any pressure, and with some uh, systems of accountability in place so that the finances are not taken advantage of by anyone. So that's a fascinating kind of little passage to consider. Paul is just saying it to the Corinthian church so they can get ready for this gift, but in doing so, in typical apostolic fashion, he actually gives us great teaching that applies to our modern day. He then says in verse 5, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. So it seems that, you know, he didn't have full finances for his journey. So he felt that they would help him on his journey. A little bit of faith there being exercised by Paul. And his hope, apparently in verse 7, was that he would stay in Corinth for a longer stretch of time than he would in Philippi. That's Macedonia. Uh, He felt the Corinthians needed some more serious attention. So he wanted to be with them. But all of it was, verse 7, if the Lord permits. He, He just, you know, really considered what God desired. But I will stay in Ephesus, verse 8, until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, in chapter 15, he said, I've battled the beasts in Ephesus. Here he says, I've got to stay in Ephesus until the day of Pentecost. There's a big, wide, effective door you know, in front of me, but there are many adversaries. Again, those beasts in Ephesus. It's fascinating that Paul felt this way. He saw an opportunity from God with opposition from Satan. He had a great ministry opportunity in Ephesus, but Satan opposed it. And Paul did not see the opposition as a closing of the door. No, he saw the opposition in a sense as confirmation that he was going in the right direction. Then he says in verse 10, when Timothy comes, see to it that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. Let no one despise him, help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Timothy was Paul's young sidekick in ministry. When you read the epistles that Paul wrote to him, it's apparent that Timothy struggled with fear, that he was sickly, and that he was young. And so Paul wanted the Corinthians to make way for Timothy, to make way for this young leader. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has an opportunity. So as for Apollos, who was 
definitely a big part of the Corinthian church historically, uh, he was not ready to go and revisit them. Uh, he was an impressive man. He was a great teacher. He had spent a large portion of his ministry time there, but he was not ready to go back to Corinth. He was unwilling to go. Paul didn't belittle Apollos for that. In fact, with what we know about the Corinthians, we should not be surprised that he was not yet ready to go. He probably needed to be bolstered a little bit before he went. Be watchful, verse 13. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. Paul here is holding out the household of Stephanus as an exemplary household. He's kind of thinking, it seems, about the church in Corinth and realizing they need some exemplary Christians. And so he begins to point them out for the Corinthian church. I rejoice, verse 17, at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. These three men delivered the Corinthian letter to Paul. And they would also deliver Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And Paul, again, holds them out as exemplary. He wanted the Corinthians to follow and respect and enjoy these men. He, he saw fit to direct the church in this way. They, they had some problems picking out good people to follow, so he's trying to hold them out for them. The churches of Asia, verse 19, send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, you remember them, they were a married couple that Paul had met. They had traveled from Rome to Corinth. Paul had come down from Philippi through Thessalonica and Berea to Corinth through Athens, then to Corinth. And when they converged there, Paul met them, and they were co-workers for a while, building tents together. They were a married couple of business, of enterprise, but they also knew the word. They were used greatly by the Lord. And so Paul says, they greet you. Together with the church in their house, they send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That's a, a proper greeting in that time. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand rather than using his amanuensis to write this part. He writes it with his own hand. It's his signature. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. What a prayer. You know, Lord, come. The grace of the Lord, Jesus, be with you. So in a letter filled with rebuke and correction, Paul closes with grace for this church. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings, or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.